The Sons of Liberty is a politically neutral organization. We believe that the Judeo-Christian ethic has provided the principles upon which this nation was founded. It is our belief that these principles provide not only the foundation and framework for American government and society, but are also essential to the maintenance of a fair and just society. All program content is based on a Christian biblical worldview. One of you said to me recently that we shouldn't rock the boat. Well, ladies and gentlemen, I want to tell you that I am a boat rock. Good day, America. Welcome, Christians, conservatives, constitutionalists, liberals, libertarians, communists, Islamists, LGBTQ, RSTV, WXYZ people, all the boat rockers are in the house, and anybody else I may have missed, to the Sons of Liberty radio show here on Red State Talk Radio, where we use the Bible and the Constitution not to see who's on the right or the left, but who is on the straight and narrow. I'm your host, Tim Brown, coming to you live from the U.S.-occupied state of South Carolina, the editor at SonsOfLibertyMedia.com, and for our Muslim friends, I'm the infidel that Allah warns you about. I hold to the book, the Bible. As the authoritative word of God, glad that you guys have joined us this morning. If you would like to check us out online, please do so. SonsOfLibertyRadio.com and also SonsOfLibertyMedia.com. In fact, if you're listening by way of Red State Talk Radio and you want to watch the <clears throat> excuse me, video portion of the radio show, that's right, you can see the face that's made for radio, head over to SonsOfLibertyMedia.com, and when you get there, you're going to see two videos at the top of the page. The one on the left side of the page is Bradley's show from yesterday. So if you missed that and you'd like to see that, you can do so up until 3 p.m. Eastern. And then that little area right there will change into a live version of the Sons of Liberty in the afternoon, 3 o'clock. And on the right side of the page is where we're at. Click on the play button, blow it up whatever device you got, and then look for the rumble icon in the bottom right-hand corner. Click on that, and you can join us in the chat uh, on Rumble. A lot of friends over there this morning. Good morning, guys. Good to see you. And then also we're streaming live to Rumble at Sons of Liberty Radio Live. Be sure to subscribe to the channel if you head over there. We're also on BeforeIt'sNews.com, top of the page there. And then um, if you would, while you're at SonsLibertyMedia.com, right up under where we're streaming live is where you can sign up for our email newsletter. You get that once a day between 7 and 8 p.m. Eastern. All the articles from our website for that day including the morning show archive. So again, if you uh, if you listen to the show and you say, hey, where can I find that video or where can I pick up that document or what article are you referencing or what, the, what is this? All of that's in the morning show archive. So I put it together for you. You can go through it yourself and you can come to your own conclusions and things. Okay. Um, final note is if you agree with our message, you would like to help keep us out there on the internet, radio and out among the people in the 50 states. There's a donate button at the top of sonsoflibertymedia.com. Click on that and make a one-time donation, or you can partner with us monthly as a son or daughter of liberty, and we do appreciate your support very much. We really do. Um, boy, this week has really gone fast. <laughs> it's gone really fast. Uh, and um, we've had a guest all week, and it's been great uh, to have him, and we sent him home to Minnesota last night. So uh, I don't know, today's probably going to feel a little odd after a week of uh, having a guest in our house. So um, we're thankful to God for that. And uh, this morning, you know, I, I've, I've thought about several things over the past couple of days. So people have sent me some information 
and I listened to some of the stuff. I looked at some of the things and I'm just going to give you my, my little take here on this whole alleged shooting that took place uh, in, in, at this Covenant Presbyterian Church. Like all the others, there's just some strange stuff. Uh, one thing that I'll just tell you right off the bat, when I was, uh, you know, contemplating some of this stuff, one of the things that struck me is, do you remember how so many people made such a big deal at the Parkland shooting that with, I don't know, I forget how many cameras they had there, 70 cameras or something. We really got nothing. We got kids running. That was, you know, we had a couple of shots where kids were running outside. That was it. Nothing inside. We didn't see a shooter. We, we didn't see any of that. Now, if you remember, we had a, a lady on who had been targeted with um, uh, like millimeter waves. And what she did was she she took it and turned it around and started learning how to use what was going on against those who were attacking her. And one of the things she did was she took Nicholas Cruz. She took a video of Nicholas Cruz, and some of you have probably seen it, where he's sitting there kind of beating his head and he's going, I'm so stupid, I'm so stupid. And she pulled the audio from it. That was what she learned to do in school. She went, she went to school after she was being targeted and stuff. She learned how to pull these sounds and stuff and then analyze them. And one of the things she picked up, she said, Tim, there's voice to skull technology going on. In other words, there's somebody on the outside who are beaming their voice into Nicholas Cruz's head. And she said, I pulled the audio and you could hear the person going, you're so stupid. You're so, and his response was, I'm so stupid. I'm so stupid. Now, we had Kathy O'Brien on the other day, and uh, she was talking about the mind control that's used as well. We've had Dr. Andrew Kaufman, and we've, and, and Ali Ajaz, Dr. Ali Ajaz on, and we talked about the effects of psychosomatic drugs. And a lot of these are given to some of these kids. So we got, we have, we, we have a history of knowing how they do some of these things. Now, can it be that a kid just gets upset on his own and does something foolish, uh, like shoots people? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. But there's always factors that lead up to this. And so I want to look at some of those this morning. And uh, let me just premise this by saying, first off, I am not saying nobody was killed. Just let's get this out of the way. Maybe there was, maybe there wasn't. I wasn't there. All I have to go on is the information that I have. That's it. And these are my thoughts. Okay? We had several people who've pointed out things like this. You've got, in one situation, you've got somebody who clearly is dressed similarly but there are differences, and you can see the differences that are made here. The camo seems to be different. The belt seems to be different. The shoes are definitely different, okay? They're definitely different. And then a watch, okay? And these, these images are from video footage and also from, I think the Daily Mail had this, but I'm, I'm pretty sure other outlets had it. Uh, for instance, 
the shoe issue came up. Uh, it was in the this Daily Mail article um, here. And so you can see. Now, what you see, for those who are on the video platforms, you'll see that these are Vans. They, they've got colors. They have a white stripe that kind of angles down like this, but they have flames on them. Okay? But what I want to do is, and I didn't want to pull this up while we were coming up, and I'm sorry, guys, we were playing the uh, pre-recorded music, and for whatever reason, I changed the audio back to my board because the software does something weird. I did that during the stream, so that's why my time was off, and that's why it ran into the, uh, the intro music. But I want you, I'm going to bring this one up. I want those of you in the video audience, I want you just to see it for yourself, okay? Um, and those of you who are on the radio, I'll try to recount this. This is the video footage we were shown. Uh, and I want you to notice, one, and when it's open, the strobe here. Now, I used to, I'm just going to pause this a second. I used to be in um, construction and all of that, 18 years. And my job was we installed security. We installed fire systems. And when I say fire systems, they monitored, uh, most of them were in uh, apartment complexes. And so we installed the strobes uh, that you'll see on the walls here. We installed the, the pull stations. We installed the panels. We monitored the sprinkler system and you know all that kind of stuff. And then we did Closed circuit TV, we did access control. You know, for those of you who don't know what that is, you use a little card or a key fob or whatever, and you swipe it and the door opens for you. That's what that was. That's what I used to do. I used to do the rough ends, you know, drilling the holes, pulling the wire, and then I did the, the trim outs. We did those things and we did the service on them. You'll notice in this video that when the shooting takes place, the strobe over here is not flashing. Now, we're told the little nine-year-old girl who's supposed to be the daughter of the pastor you know, pulled a, a fire alarm and it set it off trying to let people know this, that, and the other. The thing that's striking to me is I want you to watch the timestamp because there's about two minutes that gets missing here in just a second, okay? And I want you to notice certain things that go on with this, this, this person, Audrey Hale, who is doing the shooting, and you see that she's shot out the doors already. You don't see any movement, and this seems to be the office area. I don't know the layout of the church, but this seems to be the office area, which would, would make sense. When you come in, there's an immediate area that's there. In all of this video, you never see one person, not an adult, not a, not a child. Just take note of that. That's, that's all I'm going to say. You would think if the school is open and there's people to kill there, there's going to be some movement here when you hear a door being shot out, you're going to say, okay, what is that noise? I'm going to go out there and check it because the doors are closed here. And uh, you'll see, let's start it back up. You'll see Audrey come through. And as she's starting to come through, okay, it cuts to another shot. Now, you'll notice 10.13. Let me back it up just a little bit. And you'll see where she's coming through, it's 10.11, okay? And as this plays, you'll see it jumps to 10.13. So they cut out two minutes, and I don't know why they cut it out. I don't, I don't know what the issue was there, because now she's in another part of the facilities here. And I just want you to notice how she comes in. Okay, she comes in real tough. You know, she's got her gun on her shoulder, and she's looking down. But now she's just walking around. Now look at her. 
Does this look like somebody on a hunt or does this look like somebody getting in front of a camera? I'm just asking the question, what do you think? Because now, no longer does she have the gun up on her shoulder, you know, like she's in a, you know, dealing with a QCB kind of deal, um, or CQB, I'm sorry, close quarters. Um, now she is just kind of walking around with the thing down at her side. This is a little rifle. Now, I don't know what kind of gun it is. When I saw it, it reminds me of a Kel-Tec uh, Sub-2000, which is a 9mm carbine. So she's walking around. And and I add that, too, because she's got a long, looks like uh, like a 33-round Glock magazine here in it. And I know this setup, um, don't ask me how I know, but I know, of the Kel-Tec. It's got one of these big, big sights on the front. It folds up in the middle, so it's like a backpack gun. So when you fold it up, it's only about, I don't know, 15, 16, 18 inches, something like that, uh, when you fold it up. So she's got this thing down at her side. She's looking around. She goes through a door. And you'll see her walking through. Now, I'm going to tell you one of the first things that I noticed when I saw this video is this right here. Now, see her shoes? Where are the multiple colors? And you can look for it all in the motion. Some people have told me, well, this isn't really clear. I think it's pretty clear enough to see it because one of the things that struck me, as soon as I saw the video, and I didn't even see the thing about the shoes that people were putting out. I said, this girl's got uh, these, those old-style suede Pumas on, which I don't know anybody that wears those. I mean, I'm sure there's somebody who does, but I don't know anybody. And when I was in junior high and high school, I wore Puma cleats um, for soccer and for football and a number of things. But I've never, I don't, so immediately for some reason, my attention was grabbed by that. And I said, well, okay, she's got Pumas on. I didn't, I didn't think anything of it except that she had those on. And I thought, well, who wears these things? So now she comes out and you'll see her open the door. And now she's back up in her attack hunt mode. And then. She's in here and she's going to look in another door. And at this point, you can see the strobes are flashing. Okay. And she goes into another room and she's got her gun up and looking around. And then now she's walking down the hall. And this is where, this is all that we, this is all that we got. She's walking down the hall. And then you'll see right near the end, it looks like either she sees a person or something and right, right about uh, here. She backs up and you see like a little plume of smoke, uh, like she took a shot. Yes. So, okay, we don't want to hear this guy. So, you know, what are your thoughts on that? Why are we seeing not one person in there? Now, we don't have any sound. That's true. But we don't see one single person. We don't see a, we don't see a child. We don't see, um, we don't see an adult. School's supposed to be going on, right? I mean, that's what's supposed to be happening. And I'm, I'm just asking, this has to be the fastest evacuation of a school I've ever seen. And if that's happening, why then do we have some other things? Now, there was another video, and uh, this guy, I'm going to go ahead and open this one up, but I want to get into some of the stuff about the... Um, about the church itself and what was going on there. I'm going to play this one. I wasn't planning on playing this, but but this is uh, 
this is the guy who's pointing out some of these things. And what's interesting is the whole Masonic angle to this as well. And again, you said, well, Tim, you're getting, you're getting way out there. And I'm just saying, look, these are things that you can see there. And I'm not trying to tell anybody what to think. I'm saying, here's some evidence. Look at it. Draw your own conclusion. I can't make you think anything. Okay. But I want you to just to take a look at this. Um, this was, uh, well, it's up on Op Freedom on Rumble. And uh, I want you to see what this guy has to say about the shoes, but also about how the story unfolds. Take a listen. And hang in there with me on the volume. I know it's a little loud. Now, this person calls it a hoax, but I'm wanting you just to look at the information and determine for yourself what's going on. So they're, for the radio audience, they are showing... Wait a minute. They're showing the Covenant Presbyterian Church, and they're showing the 33 on the... Um, I don't know what you call this. It's like right out in front, you know, where they put the brick up or they put the stones up and stuff and show you things. The 33's front and center. Now, if, for those of you who might not be familiar, we talk about the 33rd degree Mason and stuff like this, and you're going to find out that this goes on a little further. <laughs> you serious? But again, I'm not going to call it a hoax. This is what this person's calling it. But they use the threes in here several times. We know that she was armed with at least two assault-type rifles and a handgun. We are efforting now to identify her. She entered the school. So she had three guns. Entrance and traversed her way from the first floor to the second floor, firing multiple shots. We now know that there are three students who were fatally wounded, as well as three adults inside mm. the school. Isn't that interesting? We are working to identify. Can you make this up? Victims. Really? All right. So, yeah, we got to deal with the music here while they're doing their video. And it's talking about the footage they pulled. So, we got this lady. Sean L. Brooks. Yeah, my son was killed in a mass shooting at the Waffle House. Okay, now do you guys remember the Waffle House shooting, that whole incident? Yeah, this lady just happens to be the mother of one of the guys who was killed there. You can't make it up. You cannot make this stuff up. You really can't. And though she says this, most people probably didn't even pick up on that. They didn't even pick up on it. What did you say? Said you have kids who were... Yeah, my son was killed in a mass shooting at the Waffle House. Yeah, okay. So I want to jump past some of the movie clips the guy or the gal is putting in here. Um, but again, she's she was part of that. To get people to succumb to their will. It's all supernatural. 
But it's clear as a ringy ding ding that they did this not in one day because our little transgender it is wearing two separate kinds of shoes. And I'm going to prove it to you right now. And here comes the shoe stuff. Let me just show stuff. you the, the big evidence ahead of time because people are going to be naysayers. So I don't, I don't want you to be uh, naysayers right away. Let's take a look. Okay. These are Pumas. I've been, I wore these as a kid. These haven't changed since 1960. All right. That's a Puma. That's a big, thick Puma. Uh, logo. Okay. This is a Vans. Puma. This is a Vans. This is made in the 60s. This, this style, this is made in the 2020s. Okay. So I want to make a comment here. So we, we, we have one of a couple of options here. One, all this is staged and took place. They were, they were filming it over a couple of days. I kind of, I kind of find that one hard to believe. Or two, you have two shooters. You have two shooters here. I, I don't know what other option you really have in this. Either she took time in the middle of the shooting and changed her shoes, or there were multiple shots of the 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 film the film that were given. Uh, which, by the way, I didn't see any blood. There there might have been, but I didn't see any. Uh, you even see the officers come in and shoot her. By the way, let me just throw this out. You'll notice that the officers. Um, and I think this guy, I'm going to, I'm going to let it play. I'm going to kind of silence it and let it go. But the officers, when they come in, you will notice the guy who shot her had a, oh my goodness, what did he have in his hand? He had an AR-15 style rifle. That's right. He had an AR-15 style rifle with which he allegedly shot Audrey Hale. Um, let's, let's back this up just a little bit. And remember all of this, this isn't about Audrey Hale and it really isn't about transgenders, which there is no such thing. I know that's a word we're using, but the fact of the matter, it's just women dressing up like men, trying to be men and men dress, dressing up like women, trying to be women, mutilating their bodies, putting stuff in their bodies. They shouldn't put in their bodies that in many cases is making them sick. Um, so, but he has an AR style rifle and you'll see all of the other officers have different styles of rifles, shotguns and everything else. But we're told we need to get these weapons of war off the street. You guys pick up on that? We need to get these weapons of war off the street. But it's okay for the agents of the state to have weapons of war against the people. You say, well, but they were using in this case and there's an active shooter. And so that's not really used against the people. Let me tell you something. Every time, do you think the police don't carry those weapons around with them? I'm just curious. Do you not think they carry them around with them when they make a traffic stop? When they take two or three hundred dollars of your money because you're going five or ten miles over the speed limit, there's no crime happening there. You haven't harmed a single person. You've not violated the moral law of God. But they're happy to do it, and they are armed. And buddy, if you're carrying, you better let that officer know, or he's going to be really mad with you if he finds that you've got a gun and you didn't tell him, even though he's got one and he doesn't tell you. Well, but that's because he's showing on the side. He's a police officer. So are police officers supposed to have more rights than the people they serve? Are you kidding me? 
Do you see how they do this stuff? I just wanted to point that out because I think it's very important that people understand what's really going on here. This isn't about transgenderism. It isn't about, um, you know, any of this. It's really there to produce fear, as Kathy Bryan said, to bring trauma. And it's to push an agenda, which is to disarm the American population. Now, I'm, I'm going to be one that says, I saw them do this during the uh, Boston, you know, marathon thing where the bomb went off and everything. I saw them go into people's houses, totally Gestapo. You can say what you want to. They were searching for a little teenage boy. And they were pointing guns at family members, you know, moving them out of the house and doing all of that. And then they were going in their house, no warrant or anything. Kids hiding out in a boat somewhere. And they did this to multiple houses. And they'd walk down the street. If you guys remember the videos, they would walk down the street like a gang of thugs and people just out sitting in, in their doorway looking to see what was going on. They were told, get back in your house. And one guy turned and he fired. I don't know if it was a, a rubber bullet. I don't know if it was one of those canisters. Um, I, don't, I don't know what it was. He fired it into the doorway where people were just standing there watching him walk through the street. And yet we're told... We're not in a police state. No, no, no. We're not in a police state. Police state is that we have this wild idea of what a police state is. We are in one. We really are in many ways. So with that said, I don't know what caused a person to do such things like this. It doesn't make sense to me that if you are a reprobate who... I mean, this 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 is not a young it's not a young girl in the sense that she's in, you know, pre-puberty or even a teenager. She's 28 years old. And she's still in this fantasy world that I can be a guy. I if I dress like a guy, I can pull myself off as a guy. Well, what are some of the things that we find out? It's very possible that this young lady was at the school in her younger years. I don't know if she was or not. I don't have any information on that. But her age and some things we're going to talk about lead us to believe that it's very possible she might have been at this school. I don't know. Her parents are said to be Christian. Um, don't know, Again, don't know if they went here. But this guy right here, this is part of what was going on in the church. And this is a message that I think the church needs to hear too. We've talked about church discipline. We've, we've went through Matthew 18. We've looked at 1 Corinthians 6. We've looked at other passages where, you know, you have, even when you have somebody who's fallen, those of you who are spiritual are to work to restore them. Okay? But I want you to see this. This guy right here in the middle, for those of you on the video platforms, his name is John Perry. Now, John Perry is allegedly one of the guys who helped start this Covenant Presbyterian Church, okay? He was co-author of Mike Huckabee's memoirs, as well as Judge Roy Moore's. Now, I, I got some information from a video somebody sent me, and I looked up some of the stuff that's, that's there, and 
the video is right, except for I'm not going to make the mistake this young lady did and say Judge Roy Moore was messing around with little kids because <laughs> uh, you can get yourself in a lot of trouble doing that. A lot of trouble. Ask the people that Roy Moore, I think it was last year, he won a lawsuit against them because of the slander of saying he had done stuff like that. He won like an $8 million lawsuit against them. So you might want to be careful, uh, Chicky, little redhead chick who gave the video that had some great information, but she dropped that in there. And I'm like, oh, if he sees that, he is going to sue your pants off. Uh, and rightfully so. Okay. But nevertheless, this guy, John Perry. Now, this is from Bud, BuzzFeed News. This is from June of 2015. Okay. This is from June of 2015. He had not, John Perry had not only been accused of child molestation in two separate lawsuits, he admitted to it. He admitted to it. And uh, th again, this is from BuzzFeed. Uh, he co-wrote these books with uh, Mike Huckabee and Judge Roy Moore. I, I have no idea. I'm, I'm, I would almost be willing to say Judge Roy Moore, because I don't know Mike Huckabee that well, but Judge Roy Moore I've had a little interaction with. And I, I wouldn't think that he would be the kind of guy, if he knew what was going on, that he would just allow that to go on. So maybe he did, maybe he didn't. I don't know. He would have to answer that question. But he helped write them. And you can read the story here at BuzzFeed. I'll have this in the archive so you guys can check it out for yourself. Um, but here's what we read. Um. In a sworn affidavit submitted during divorce proceedings, Perry's ex-wife attests that she filed for divorce as a result of Mr. Perry's inappropriate marital conduct, to which he admitted to in his response to interrogatories, numbers one and two, throughout the court documents, inappropriate marital conduct appears to be a euphemism for the alleged molestation. Okay. Perry's responses are not included in the case file. Another filing submitted by Perry's ex-wife attorney uh, earlier in the same proceedings refers to Perry's admitted sexual abuse of a minor child. Now, here's the thing. The church didn't really do what the Lord commanded in dealing with Mr. Perry, in disciplining him, really bringing discipline and because this was a crime, pushing towards prosecution. And so there's going to be some things I'll read from the court, um, from the, uh, forget the name of this site. It's called uh, Court something, Courthouse News. That's it. Very popular uh, site. And they do a lot of court cases. So I'm going to read some of that in just a minute. But let's go back to this BuzzFeed. This is, again, from 2015. And it states that Perry's response to that filing also submitted prior to his ex-wife's affidavit does not deny the abuse or that Perry admitted it. Instead, Perry claims that, quote, there was never any testimony or other evidence of any kind presented to the court, end quote, uh, or any others orders to, or findings of fact regarding any alleged sexual abuse of any minor child relative to the party's divorce or any other legal proceeding, end quote. But, they write, 
The claim is not necessarily incompatible with Perry's ex-wife's claim that Perry admitted to the alleged inappropriate marital conduct during the discovery process because it appears that those findings were not technically presented to the court. Now, that's isn't that interesting? Yeah. Later on, we read, a police investigation launched in 2012 found the allegations against Perry, so this is more than a decade ago, were sustained according to the police department spokesman, but the statute of limitations had passed. How, if you, if you molest a child, how do you have a statute of limitations that pass? That doesn't make any sense to me. That's kind of like murder. It's a very serious offense. If Jesus says it'd be better for you to tie a millstone around your neck and throw yourself in the sea than to offend one of these little ones. And I don't even know that he had molestation in mind. I think he just meant that you're offending the little ones by teaching them something God has not taught them, which obviously molestation would do that. But you're you're teaching them something contrary to the commands of God, Deuteronomy 6, then you'd, you'd be better off just to throw yourself in the ocean with a big old millstone around your neck and drown yourself. But this is what went on. Now, go over to Courthouse News, <clears throat> and what you'll find is is the church was involved in the cover-up. The church did not follow the instruction of the Lord Jesus. You know, we on, what was it, Monday, we talked about John chapter 6. And we talked about hearing the voice of God. We talked about God calling out His people and them responding in obedience to Him to what He said to do, which was to repent. Okay, And the only way a person can repent, the only way a person can actually believe the gospel is if they're born again, and that has to come outside of them. It doesn't, it's not a choice they just make. I mean, they eventually make a choice, don't get me, but they make a choice in response to the new birth, the work of the Spirit of God. That's what they do. So faith and repentance are the results of the work of God in the person's life. It is not something they muster up themselves. So let's go to Courthouse News. And here's what we read. A Presbyterian church covered up for a confessed, um, I was going to see if it had a, yeah, it has a date. This is from October 2013, so ten, almost 10 years ago. Presbyterian church covered up for a confessed child molester and in cult-like fashion put children in the molester's so-called safe house, a family claims in court. Austin Davis and his daughter Daisy sued the Covenant Presbyterian Church of Nashville and its parishioner Dale Luling in Davidson County Court. Luling is not the alleged molester. The Davises claim Luling uh, assaulted the plaintiffs in an open hallway filled with people during a period of turmoil at the church. Austin Davis said in an interview that the alleged assault in the hallway came after he attended a class as a former member of the church. I got separated from my daughter. They were telling me I was breaking the law. I, I don't know how that was, but um, anyway. His daughter was a minor at the time. In the lawsuit, Davis claims that on July the 14th, 2008, so now we're back even further. What is that? 15 years almost. The defendants quietly accepted the resignation of the confessed child molester, John Perry. This is the guy we were just talking about. From the covenant diaconate, he, the, that just means he was a deacon there. The diaconate is the deacons, the group of deacons there, or the servants of the church. 
with Luling recorded in the board minutes as being present in the room. Perry is not a party to the lawsuit, which continues, quote, the defendants intentionally concealed knowledge of the confessed child molester from appropriate authorities, the majority of the members of the congregation, and the plaintiffs. In furtherance of the concealment of the sexual abuse of a child or children, the defendants permitted the confessed child molester to remain a member of covenant, having access to the church, its members, and the private school. Uh, school elementary property associated with the church until 2010. The church didn't discipline the guy. Apparently, I, I didn't, doesn't even seem to indicate they they reported him to the cops, and they let him stay in the church and have access to the facilities in which there were children. An admitted child molester in the church who was a deacon was allowed to continue to be there. Do you see any pattern here of why the church might be targeted? It, you know, If we're to believe the official narrative about Audrey Hale and about her going into that school, do you understand why that might be a possibility? We've talked about people, uh, young people, who would be molested, who would be traumatized, and they end up growing up perverted in their thinking because of what somebody else did to them. Now, they're already a sinner. Don't get me wrong. I'm not sitting here saying, well, they're not a sinner and this, that, and the other. They're a sinner, and that sin has been fueled by things that have been done to them. They become more sinful, or they repent, one or the other. Um, but you see what's being set up. You have a deacon in the church who is admitted. One, he's obviously going to lose his deaconship because his wife's filing for a divorce. And we, we've been through First um, Timothy chapter 3, and you'll see there the, the requirements for a deacon, for a, person, for a man to be a deacon. In the church, and part of that is he has a wife who's faithful, and he, you know, he's got children and such like that that are faithful, just like the just like the elder. There, there's not really much difference between the elder or the bishop and the deacon. Why? Because they have to be men of character. The only difference really was the 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 bishop or the the elder has to or the overseer has to be one who is apt to teach. He has to be able to teach. That's a gift that God gives. So he's a deacon. He's admitted to molesting children. The church doesn't discipline him. They don't get rid of him. He's still in there. He still has access to the church, access to the children. And his wife is divorcing him. So let's go back to the, what we're reading here at Courthouse News. The Davises claimed they were harassed and ultimately assaulted because they were, quote, privy to information concerning defendants' concealment and concealment efforts of the unlawful sexual abuse of a child or, ch or children. Austin Davis claims that in 2008, he objected to, quote, the defendant's cult-like abuse of authority over vulnerable children who were, in cult-like fashion, intentionally, knowingly, and willfully placed in an alleged safe house owned and possessed by the confessed child molester. Davis's claims in the lawsuit that Perry was excommunicated on June the 6th 
2010 for heinous and repetitive sin against his family. Okay, but it's 2010 by this time. Okay. In October 2012, Davis claims the defendants threatened to, or quote, to have plaintiffs arrested and thrown in jail, end quote. They threatened to sue them for no reason, threatened to bring criminal actions against them, defamed and intimidated them. The unnerving incidents allegedly culminated in the October 21st, 2012 assault during which Davis claims Luling was acting as an employer agent of the church. Austin said in the interview that he had a right to be on church property. Quote, I think they're public places that people are allowed to go to, he said. Davis claims he and his daughter, quote, live under a continuing threat of arrest for communicating with covenant members and threat of arrest for returning to covenant property, while Perry, quote, walks around a free man. This was a guy who just, you know, lost his daughter in the midst of whatever was going on there for a little bit. But Perry is an admitted child molester and a deacon in the church, and he's allowed to walk around a free man in the church, have access to all kinds of stuff. Isn't that interesting? Did the church do what it's supposed to do? Nope. If you want to see what the church is supposed to do, you would either go to somewhere like Matthew 18, 1 Corinthians chapter 6. In this case, probably 1 Corinthians chapter 6. You're, you're dealing with a dangerous individual who is uh, molesting children. And, and he's admitted it. So this is much like the 1 Corinthians 6 issue in which the man is having sexual relations with his father's wife. And Paul doesn't say... Hey, you need to go through Matthew 18 on this. No, he said, this is out in the open. This is not something that was done in secret. This is something out in the open. And he said, he tells the church, you're being puffed up about this. So he tells them, the next time you get together, you kick this guy out and you turn him over to Satan for the destruction. Listen to what he says. For the destruction of his flesh, that his soul might be saved. In the end, he had a desire to see this, this man who was committing these sins. He had a desire to see him repent. And the only way to do that was to kick him out of the fellowship to show him how serious God was about the guy's sin. That you're not going to be in the covenant community. You're going to be shunned because of what you've done, and you're unrepentant, and you're proud and puffed up about it. And we read from 2 Corinthians, it seems that, that discipline that was given to that young man, which people might say was mean and you know cult-like or whatever if they want to say that, the fact of the matter was, it seems like that young man repented of what he did. Paul gives some admonishment uh, to, to, that, to that end. So with that said, we think of this young lady, Audrey Hale. And during this time, she would have been of school age. I don't know uh, specifically what ages are covered. I don't know if this is a full, I didn't look that up, and I should have looked that up, so that's my fault. But we're not told whether they go you know, K through 12 or whatever they do there. Uh, maybe somebody can help me out in the chat if, you, if you're familiar with that and you know which one was what. But there wasn't the discipline there was supposed to be. It's because the church doesn't take God serious in that. They really don't. So we've got this young lady, Audrey Hill. Is it possible that she attended the school? 
Yep. It's it's very possible that she attended the school. Is it possible she had been molested too? I I tend to think some of these kids who become sodomites, lesbians, they get into this quote unquote transgender stuff or they're they're I call it gender confusion. That's what they're in. They're just confused about their gender. And that's something listen, it is something oh it's K through six. Thank you, Stuffy. Um <clears throat> I don't know if she was in the school or not. But usually when these things happen, these children are being molested. And that's what throws in the confusion. You could hear that clearly uh, if you listen to the interviews that I did, the two interviews I did with Kathy O'Brien last week on Thursday and Friday. The trauma and everything allows for manipulation, uh, brings confusion, all of these kinds of things. We know this to be true. And yet the church... When, when they've got an admitted child molester in their midst, what do they do? They, they continue to let him be in the church. This is the church in which this happened. And what is the point of what's going on here? The point is to get people so frustrated with these shootings and things, that they will demand that their own rights be canceled out for the false sense of security. I'll say it again. It is to wear people down with hearing this stuff to where they will demand their own rights be canceled out for a false sense of security, to be disarmed. Which is exactly where those who are in positions of power and who are usurping authorities that they don't have are dying to lead you to. They're just dying to lead you there. Well, Tim, now are you going to make this political? No, I'm not making anything political. I'm just telling you what's behind it. It's always going to be behind it. And here's the thing. The, 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 when we say the church is responsible for these things, that's, this is what it is. Now, if you remember, one of the things we did, we went through Second Peter chapter 2 in a show. And one of the things you see there with false teachers is what? They're there for money and for sexual favors. That's what they're there for. And here we've got a deacon, okay, who is an admitted child molester. And the way the church handles this man demonstrates probably how they dealt with most sin in their midst. If you've got a child molester and you won't deal with him, you're probably not dealing with the guy who's you know, messing around with another guy's wife. You're not dealing with uh, uh, issues of lust. You're not dealing with theft. You're not dealing with uh, drunkards. You're not dealing with any, any of this other stuff. If you've got people in your midst who are committing these sins or these and, and crimes as well, you're probably not doing that. Now, do you get a good picture of where this is taking place? Now, we went back to the this video this guy did where he's pointing out the 33s and the 3s and all this stuff that's coming out in the news. And I gotta tell you, it looks to me like it's it's just this is the this is the playbook they go by. 
This is in almost each of these kind of things where there becomes these anomalies like the shoes or the belt or the watch or any of this other stuff. The oddity of limited surveillance video of this young girl who's confused about who she is and what she is. And she puts this out. Now, the other part that's interesting about this is with all of these, it just, it's kind of interesting to me. It doesn't matter what shooting it is or whatever. Somebody always takes the time to write a manifesto, right? Or write something down, allegedly. It's always found. I guess it's a long, drawn-out thing for one last hurrah of looking for some kind of fame or something. I don't know. I don't know what goes through people's minds with this stuff. But she apparently leaves a manifesto. And now, what's, what are some people looking at? They're looking at, well, this church. Oh, and Tim, you're talking about this church had child molesters in them, and they didn't do anything. You see how they can spin this around, and instead of dealing with these gender, this gender-confused girl, now, of course, they shot her. I, I get it. This gender-confused girl who's allegedly going here and shooting people and killing them, you'll see that it's going to come back on the church. Had the church been the light that it's supposed to be and walked in the light as Jesus is in the light, they would have dealt with this back in 2008 or whenever the, the, the thing happened. They would have done that, but they didn't do it, did they? Do you see how important it is for church discipline? And sometimes it isn't even to this scale. Sometimes there might be a private sin that's going on and the church has to discipline. It's not a comfortable thing, but it is an act of love. Just like when your child does something wrong, you have to go and discipline them. You have to correct them. You have to teach them what's right, why, why they did what, what they did was wrong, and you have to give corporal punishment. You have to, you have to spank them. And it's not to hurt them. It's not, it's not to you know, break their bones or anything like that. But it is to get their attention and say, if you keep this up, you're headed for destruction. And it won't be just mom or dad with a wooden spoon or something like that. It'll be, it might be a cop pulling a gun on you. It might be you thrown in jail. It might be that somebody else kills you because you don't know how to conduct yourself and maintain self-control. So all of this plays into exactly the very things that the scripture gives us for why we should be dealing with. Again, for those of us, those of you who are joining us late, this guy, John Perry, who is at Covenant Presbyterian Church of Nashville, where this alleged shooting took place, admitting to molesting children. And it was apparently resulted in his wife divorcing him. And I can't help but think that there's been kids who, you know, now it would be, what, um, 15 years on. If they're in there, if, if uh, Stuffy's right, K to 6, which I think you are. I thought I saw that too, but I wasn't sure. K to 6, then these kids were, are already adults now, the ones who were molested. And you have to wonder, 
How did that affect them? Did that affect them in a similar way as this Audrey Hale girl? Were they so traumatized by that that there are other things that are going on? Why would Audrey Hale pick this place? Because one of the things that I read in another news article was she had another apparent target, which they won't tell us about. Maybe it's maybe she really did, or maybe they're just throwing it in there for fear. I don't know. But she had another uh, target, and they said she didn't go there. I think uh, Pastor Chuck Baldwin had this in his article, which you can read at sonslibertymedia.com. Um, let me see if I can pull that up just so you see it. Just so the, ah, uh, okay. I accidentally closed it. <laughs> That's me. Dummy me. Um, but he wrote an article and we posted it yesterday. Let me see if I can just bring this up real quick. Um, but it was about the taking of our arms and it was a warning in this way. Yeah, this is it. America, arm your schools now. And in this, he said that the, the cops said she had picked out another place, but apparently it was more, I don't know, fortified. It was more, it was heavily armed. In other words, she wasn't going to have a turkey shoot. Okay. She, she wasn't just going to have free roam of the building that she went in. And I, I, again, I don't know if that's said to cause more fear. I don't know if that's said because it's actually true. I don't know. And again, I want to make clear, I'm not saying people didn't die. I'm not saying that at all. But there is a lot of strange stuff coming out of Covenant Presbyterian Church. And there's a lot of things in this story that, that the Mockingbird media is never going to tell you. You said, well, you were quoting BuzzFeed. Yeah, but that's from something that happened a long time ago. The question is, what is the Mockingbird media telling you about that now? What are they telling you now? Are they just reading the script off that they're given by the CIA? Or are they deliberately just missing this information as to what's going on? The church is called to be the light of the world, the salt of the earth. And we don't get to be that way with tolerating these kinds of things. We don't do it. And because we love one another, we correct one another. And we call each other to, to repentance. We spur one another on to love and good works, not towards doing evil deeds. This is the work of the church as she goes forth proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ to a lost and dying world. This is the message that needs to get out there. This church should have followed the teaching of the Lord Jesus. They did it. We see the results. Bradley, be with you at 3. See you in the morning with Kate Shimrani, 8 a.m. Talk to you then. See you.